Michael, you're staying. You know, you might as well uh, hit me. I mean, I'm down to my, my jocks here. Um, you've won all my clothes, so, yeah. All right, you still good? Uh, yep, uh, call it. Three slice trick, blackjack again. Shit. Um, okay, well, I'm down to nothing now, but I've, I've still got, uh, I've, I've still got stuff to play with, um, but we're out of toast cards. Fuck. Jeremy, Jeremy, what did I say? Hold on, no, no. He, he's busy at the moment, um, and well, yeah, we'll see what he gets back to. But in the meantime, I think we might as well just continue with this. What are we doing at the moment, anyway? You lost oh, me, shit, Mr. Just... Sheckman. You lost me. <laughs> <laughs> the joke was supposed to end with you yelling at Jeremy and ordering another deck of carbs. Sometimes they don't work out as you plan, and that's the theme for today, actually. I got too involved in shouting at Jeremy, and I just completely lost you track did. of what I did. Good morning, Mr. Sheckman. How are you today? <laughs> morning, Mr. Bo. I'm good. And yourself? Oh, not bad. I mean, considering this is episode 101, we really started off with a bang. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, before we get into our topic today, let's talk about what we've, what I've learned. Uh, I had a whole other idea I was going I was going to cover today, or sort of what I've recently been looking up more myself. But I happened to watch a video the other day on motherboard design, and to me that that when it comes to PC components these days, certainly it is some form of black magic where yeah. you know you, you, there's some pins at the bottom of your CPU, and those somehow do calculations and allow us to do a podcast online, or allow me to do calculations through MATLAB, or or do CFD. And it was interesting sort of where these guys were breaking down, um, not, not the, the, the sort of circuitry or anything of, of that sort, um, but power requirements and, and how you regulate the power. But the biggest one that kind of got me was when it comes to RAM and all the, the, the chips or um, the slots that you have maybe on a particular motherboard, where say if you look at RAM, your high-end motherboards, your more expensive versions, um, invariably can come up, up to with four slots yeah. and then how the computer then handles this and how it communicates with all four and why uh, if you are if you're into building pcs or you know anything about it um, you know that you end up using slots two and four for your ram first before you fill in the rest and why and what it actually comes down to in some ways is actually better to actually just have two slots because most people apparently don't end up upgrading their ram you know the idea is, is that you have force so if you want to upgrade at some point then you can even though statistically people never actually do and it's this whole mix between the motherboard manufacturers they don't want to just cut it down to two which would be better for latency it'd be better for manufacturing and costs and all that because the customer thinks they need more so they would rather buy the one even though it costs more that has more even though they won't use it so the manufacturers have these high-end boards that don't actually need half the stuff they've got because the customer thinks they need it or it looks better. And it's a, it's a stark thing of reminder of that the, the needs of the customer sometimes outplay the, the actual needs of the problem. 
um, in a particular moment. Yeah, certainly, and it's it's kind of interesting how how particularly from a sort of technical point of view, you you end up with armchair experts, and if there's space for four, and if I have four mm-hmm. of them, it's uh, something yeah. to show off. I will get four. Yeah. Um, yeah. However, the guy who you know can can barely afford two knows that two is better than four in this particular case, mm-hmm. and therefore will only have two. And when it comes to a you know playing a game or or, or doing CFD at the last minute, um, the guy who's yeah. got the two who knows what he's doing has got the bigger smile. Yeah, exactly, and and the the healthier wallet. Um, yeah, so it's just it's it's a look. It's an important. It's a difficult thing to kind of consider with design, and in a way, it's how your design might be used, or how it might be perceived to be used, or how it might be misused um, at the end of the day. Which I guess is going to lead us into today's topic as well. Yeah. So we've uh, we've routinely said more or less a hundred times that uh, design mm-hmm. is all about um, creating creating a solution to a clearly defined problem sometimes the Mm. problem is very very difficult to sort of figure out it's tricky there are many moving parts and multiple Mm. conflicting um sort of user defined systems at play um if Mm. all of that sounds horrific because this is your first one effectively (laughs) you can have quite a lot of opinion that is on the problem side and you Mm -hmm. then create your solution to solve the problem that you have defined. That's where we are. And that that solution could be a a motorbike, uh, a car, a truck, an aeroplane, a power station, um, Mm -hmm. um, a a border wall, um, a swimming pool cleaning system. It could be anything. Um, And where we're going to go on today is that you, you often work very hard trying to make sure that your solution does exactly what is required to solve the problem. But then there's a case of, it could be used for additional things. Um, mm-hmm. And the other thing is, how would you stop misuse? Would you even factor it in? Um, and, and misuse could be um, just from a you'll hurt yourself uh, point of view through to yeah. you'll hurt others um, either singly or in, in a large batch. Um, and, and that's what we're going to plan uh, to go through a bit today. Yeah, I mean, the, the one that comes to mind straight away is um, uh, sort of following on the topic of, of electronics, you, you, if you look up guides on cleaning electronics, some of the the best sort of cleaning apparatus actually forward is a, a toothbrush. Yes. Something designed, nothing close for actually cleaning electronics, you know, because it tends to be that because the the brushes are meant for a, a fragile thing, your gums or, or maybe even your teeth, they're that fragile. Um, it's not going to rip off the capacitor of the board or rip a chip off or, or damage the pins and things like that. Um, so it's used for that application, but it certainly wasn't designed for that. And and there's an interesting thing. So um, let's talk about concept choice because that's exactly mm. where we are. As soon as you said cleaning something with a, a with with a toothbrush, you could mm. you could also say well. The point is a brush is better than a cloth because the little bristles get in and they they they, yeah. they poke away dust and grime and stuff like that. Mm. Why wouldn't you why would you choose a toothbrush rather than say a paintbrush? I would say it's the rigidity. Um, so the, yeah. the paintbrush is not I mean depending on the, the nature of how the, the grime or the dust uh, yeah, you, you get dust that's maybe a little bit wet, so then it's now stuck and embedded in, in this particular area, um, this little nook and cranny. The the toothbrush has a, or yeah, the, that part of it is a little bit more rigid enough that the brush 
basically can flex and then it'll flick out. So maybe maybe not rigidity, it's more elasticity or um, a spring to it. I, I think I think there are two, two subtle points on that. The one is a toothbrush, the brushes are at 90 degrees to the handle. So you don't, you don't push ah, in a linear yes. fashion, you push with bending. The other thing is, yeah. because the handle is quite long and it's designed to be flexible i mean gee some toothbrushes have got like full-on swing arm suspension halfway up the thing i mean you know it makes f1 car look childish um and here's the thing your hand has become exceptionally well calibrated to your mouth right yeah there we go and that is why you would pick a toothbrush because number one even an amateur is not going to push too hard whereas if you take a paintbrush and you use a you know an angle grinder to thin it down so it actually fits because you're lazy you don't know how to take the motherboard out of your computer Mm. you know that the side managed to fall off the last time you vacuumed around it so you can get in there um now you've got this massive paintbrush that you've cut down okay well all you can do is you can poke you can't really move side to side because there's no Mm. space another thing is how hard do you push can you see what you're doing and the main thing is that's what a toothbrush offers you it's you, you, it, it's it's ac- sort of accessible visually, and from a force um, and uh, looks and looks and, and, and cranny point of view. Okay, so let's say we're now designing. We, I think it can come from two perspectives here. We can see two applications now. Let's say we have sufficient hindsight or, or foresight um, in order to see a potential way in which our design could be now used. Well, we, we've developed a brush. Oh, this is actually really good at cleaning teeth, but it's also good at, at cleaning electronics. Do we focus on keeping it a toothbrush? And if it happens to, you know, the, the little side little tricks of afterthoughts, okay, let's check it actually if they used it for electronics. We don't have bristles falling off or that they're conductive or something of that sort that can create a short circuit. Or alternatively, do we go the direction of actually, let's forget toothbrushes in, entirely. We designed the perfect electronics cleaning brush rather we design two separate products altogether um i i I certainly think so i just think that i mean that they probably do sell something that's like a toothbrush for for Mm. electronic stuff however here's the thing how many would they produce per day at the factory that produces those compared to toothbrushes and then based on relative i mean I'm guessing they would use the soft the, the soft bristles and they might go for one grade slightly smaller than a toothbrush, but maybe that's exactly what they put into a kid's toothbrush, actually, or, 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 or um, you know, an, an infant mm. toothbrush, in which case yeah. it, it's probably the very same bristles. It, it might just mm. be that the thing is, you know, made a chrome look and it might not need the suspension <laughs> stuff. And you know what? It might have one of those air bellows things that blows air through it to be a bit fancy. Um Mm. You know, whereas, whereas the trick that I generally do is use the toothbrush thing and then you very carefully use a vacuum cleaner. Or, and we can talk about this, the one way is to try and suck the dirt out. The other way is to try and blow it out, away. Um, but using air to then move the stuff that you've hauled out of your keyboard or um, motherboard or, you know, whatever electronic thing you're cleaning. Um, and, and I suspect it's just a case of guys in the trade will find it cheaper to buy a toothbrush so they'll use a toothbrush do you think then it's okay so let's say we are designing I mean, let's go maybe a little bit more complex of an example then a bit more um, dangerous da- I dangerous, was just thinking so. I mean we could go dangerous I could you know this, this evening I could try and brush my teeth with a paintbrush as an experiment and see <laughs> I don't know what the beard would do about that whole whole thing 
Well, I'm thinking a fitting a, tube, uh, a paintbrush in your mouth, and, and then b what is like like dip it in enamel, and then just you know enamel coat your your teeth to just. Maybe what you do, you design this thing that's like got massive, like it's massive, like a broom. And then what you do is you just bite hard and pull. And then what it, you know, I'm okay. I'm I'm gonna kill myself by death by broomstick, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the alternative is, is looking at okay. So uh, let's say we, we're trying to prevent misuse. So we're actually gonna go for a whole another alternative method of uh, cleaning teeth in, in some kind of explosive air thing that blasts enough air current past your teeth to literally lift off the plaque and, and there we go and, and we, we got off. that inspiration from coming up with we started out life with a motherboard and a toothbrush figure yeah. out what you're doing improve that thing and then bring it all the way back to we started out with a toothbrush is this thing that we've now got better than a toothbrush true is, is that necessarily a way to go though with design i, I I wouldn't say it's necessarily that is the... Mr. Uh, Sheckman, we always say there's no right way to do design. Of course, it's a valid way. It's an interesting one, and you'd have to be very careful how you put that in your report because yeah. um, effectively what we were doing is we didn't really have a problem to solve. We would, you know, mm-hmm. um, if, if we did um, and, and, and you had a problem with, I don't know, um, cleaning teeth because toothbrush a toothbrush no longer did it in in the year 2022 um mm. or else you couldn't brush your teeth through a mask if that was a problem um what you know how, how could you solve it um all right but yes i think let's let's move on to something a bit more dangerous i mean dangerous okay i mean d- dangerous these days common things probably cars so be something car safety how do people or how would uh the misuse of a, a device be Okay, now we're not we're not you know, we're not talking about setting uh, um, records around a Nurburgring or driving on your, on your side tires here. Um, okay, but Although, let's let's pick a system on a car which is theoretically designed for um, let's say one thing safety. It's it's basically designed to save your life, and then let's work out what what could go wrong or or, or some things. Let's yeah, let's see. I mean, what would you go for? Something like a crumple zone. Um, I, I mean, I, I'd be thinking either a seatbelt or an airbag. I mean, with the, the seatbelt, it's the people that, oh, I don't like wearing it over my shoulder, so I'm just going to strap it around my, my lower chest um, and have my arms open. Or airbags where I'm going to have, well, I have my phone in front of me so that as that thing goes off, I'm getting a nice imprint or very close inspection of what my screen looks like. I think let's, um, do, let's do both of them because the seatbelt hmm. obviously existed bef- before the airbag. Um, and mm. early early seat belts were basically fixed fixed distance. You set them; they were slack, they were comfortable, so you could kind of reach forward to change gear. Old cars mm. had massive gear shifts. You needed to move your arm like a linear meter yeah. to make it all the way from. <laughs> if you've ever driven a vintage car, you'll know what I mean. You need to sort of lean forward, lean to the middle of the car, and then get ready to chuck it into first, and then stretch all the way through to the far end to get it in. Um, yeah. Okay, modern cars much simpler, but seat belts used to be yeah. fixed. Um, and actually, they started out as lap belts, and then they became um, the sort of what's known as the sort of the, the three-point um, system. No. Um, and and now, obviously, they're variable tension and designed for comfort and all that sort of stuff. Um, I've got something which, it every time I get into a car, well, okay, I haven't had to because I haven't worn a collared shirt in a year <laughs> working from home, and also <laughs> haven't had to drive to work for a year. But so, yeah. I always have my pen dug in at that angle oh. right across my chest. Always have have a pen. And the point is, I know that when I get into a car, I I manually shift where the seatbelt crosses my chest because the pen is the priority. 
and I, I've I've <laughs> se- I, I've thought about this many times, and I thought if I am in an accident, number one, that pen's got a metal nib, it's got a metal cap. Ooh. If the seatbelt mm. pulls tight, that thing is aligned with with my my rib angle on my left side of my chest. It's quite easy for that pen, and the, the, the pen's about the diameter of the gap between your ribs. I just know mm. cracked ribs, if not worse. I know it, and yet I still do it. <laughs> So, I mean, what, what are we on here? I mean, we started toothbrush with, with a misuse that's actually, in some ways, the company actually might want the misuse in this regard. It's like, actually, yeah, if you want to buy a toothbrush for clean teeth and doing that, by all means, do it. We'll, we'll make sure that, you know, whatever we've ended up designing, we're, we're not going the direction of metal t- um, brushes to really get a good cleaning of your teeth. However, when it comes to safety aspects, you don't want it where the people are able to misuse your design so that, Oh, you know, why did he? Why why did she pass away in the car accident? Oh, no, the seatbelt didn't actually do its job. And well, no. As much as the tabloids would would love to run with that, rather, okay, these days people know seatbelts work. But certainly when seatbelts were introduced, I know my dad never used the seatbelt. It's like, no, you don't need those silly things. Just drive normally. Yeah, it's sixty k's an hour, and nothing's gonna hurt you. Exactly, and then the car manufacturers then get a bad name because everyone keeps dying in their cars because, well, no one wants to wear their seatbelts. So that's misuse in a very negative sense in our design, and how can that be? And, you know, we're talking about now, how do we then counter for that? Um, and I think you've really kind of hit the nail on the head in, in terms of, well, what what's, what did they do? How did they count for that? And it's, well, let's give the person's options so that you can make, you can make it comfortable so that it's not just one bolted point on your right and your well you're up two points in your right and one on your left depending on what side of the car you drive on uh it's there's adjustments so you can adjust the height in which is coming over your shoulder you can adjust the sort of uh, tension in the belt these things give you options which yeah maybe it makes you at some point uh, less safer uh, state but you're still wearing the, the safety belt yeah that's true and i mean we'll get into airbags in a second but just just one one mm. point here it just so happens that mm. the shirts that I have, um, I, th- I think the buttons are on the right side of the shirt, so then the left side goes over. Therefore, the gap yeah. for the pen is that the pen goes down onto my left side of the chest, right? Yes. Yeah. And the seatbelt happens to flow parallel to the pen. So mm-hmm. I, m- my sort of behavior is because that's the way that it works. And also the button spacing on shirts is different. So some shirts, the pin is higher than the seatbelt, but sometimes mm. it's literally right where the seatbelt goes and I move the seatbelt down and I know it's going to pull tight. However, if I sit as a passenger, I have to take the pin yeah. out because now the seatbelt crosses it crossed, and that is yeah. full on bloody dangerous. So I, I, I do take, you know, the, 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 the pen versus life argument, life wins if I'm a passenger. Um, and, 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 and that's a behavioral shift. Now, if we talk about behavior and mm. good versus bad behavior, let's dive into airbags because I've got, I'm a cynic about airbags just based on what I see people stash in their car and the habits that they have. Oh, um, yeah. And a couple of the accidents that I've literally watched happen right in front of me where it's a case of a dude was wearing glasses <laughs> and he had his phone resting two thumbs on top of the hooter when the airbag went off. I wonder where the phone ended up. One point I would say on top of that, just going back quickly back to the seatbelt, um, the, the counting point, it, it might seem as a as a design that, right, I need to make sure my, the, the only way to correct this is through changes to the seatbelt, the way it's attached, the way it sits, the material, the shape, the 
the the extra cushioning on it or whatever the case is but no it's certainly i mean i know what got my dad to start wearing a seatbelt was the annoying bloody beep that the car would make yeah. when you haven't put your seatbelt on um it's a separate system altogether um but certainly understand in that when dealing with this sort of misuse and, and how we maybe counter for it in design it's not just necessarily a case of within your system it could be a proposed a auditory or visual or, or something over and above your design as a way of countering bad habits or human nature yeah and i think my example was something of it's something that is a seatbelt design you don't worry about people who would like to wear a pin in a particular place just like you're not going to oh, bother yeah. um trying to design a seatbelt for the one in a billion um who still wears a pocket watch you know you you, you aren't going to design yeah. for things like that well exactly and most people these days honestly not carrying pens i know i haven't carried a pen in a long time i was gonna say so, yeah i mean this just happens yeah. that you know I, w- I was born in the 1700s and i'm still alive type <laughs> thing um you know <laughs> it, it it comes down to you don't have to think of, of of the ridiculous when you're doing it but let's get back into airbags yeah yeah, yeah my airbag. favorite kind of airbag is the one that's on the passenger side which is built into the the let's say Console. the upper part of yeah, the, the dashboard yeah. right mm. okay now just walk through a parking lot and have a look at the amount of nonsense that people keep stored on top of that airbag map books the gps thing basically stuck onto the windscreen right over there sunglasses keys um kids stationary generally lives there um all of that stuff is on top of the airbag Uh now the dashboard is designed that you can store stuff there there's a warning label there airbag do not put stuff on top does it stop people it doesn't so do you then in terms of a design of that nature do you say okay fine let's assume people are, are, are just in their infinite wisdom are going to keep putting stuff there so we design it so that as the airbag deploys the cover that is currently covering the mechanism basically flaps up basically throws all that stuff through your windscreen because that's fine that who cares about that at that point um, and then basically protects all that stuff basically throws it out the way so the airbag can deploy in its throws everything out your hand effectively as well and clears the way for your face coming in um to, to slow it down that blow i would have or thought that you, that's exactly how they they have designed it um i'd imagine so um the the one way it sort of comes to mind is actually not necessarily for the passenger but for the driver uh it's something i have i need to actually look it up but it was a thing i was i was watching something the other day and it was a a point someone made where apparently the whole driving at what is it the 10 and 2 position with your hands yeah it's actually become an issue these days with driving because as your airbag deploys with your hand in that location it actually ends up hitting your wrist at a particular location that it actually break your arms it's you know it's got sufficient force yes it's 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 air in a in a, in a cushion effectively but that thing has to come out so quickly and you know all its other purposes to protect your face at a 10 or 2 position it'll break your hands how do you counter for something like that without saying right stop teaching people to drive a 10 and 2 yeah and the bottom line is off uh, i mean michael doesn't have an airbag but i've always wondered you know mm. the way that let's say most guys drive one hand top of the wheel um (laughs) if you are in an accident and that's where your arm is and the airbag goes off and it's a large frontal impact so the windscreen acts as a crumple zone etc your hand ends up being above your head in no man's land 
Mm, true. You know, and, and then, then you think, okay, so what about these cars that have got like many airbags where there's the frontal and then the side impact and you think uh-huh. your limbs, do your limbs just get like thrown around like they're on a, 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 a jumping castle or do they get trapped between these things? Um, because, you know, for all of the very cool um, crash test dummy footage, um, you know, you, don't, you, you, you watch what happens to the head, let's be honest. That's the most, imp- mm. it's the biggest thing you're worried about. Um, well, yeah, the, it's the head and the torso. Protect that because break an arm, you'll be hurt. You could be maimed. You could be permanently disabled, uh, all, all that stuff, but you are alive. And I think it's, it's looking into priority during the design as to what you're trying to protect. So here's, here's, a, here's a good question for you. You, you mm. wear glasses. Um, mm. When it comes to a, a, a discussion between the world's glasses or spectacles manufacturers and the world's airbag manufacturers, who do you mm-hmm. suppose wins the argument? Do you say, well, guys, um, we're going to make our glasses nice and strong, so you, you need to factor that into your airbag design? Or is it a case of spectacle manufacturers, can you make your glasses that if they are pushed, they will start to fail without damaging the person's face because the airbag is coming? Um, how do you think that discussion went? I, I don't think that discussion happened, to be to be clear. I, I'd be surprised if it did. And I certainly think the glasses manufacturers would win because you have more people you that do. have glasses that aren't driving um, or aren't in vehicles than you do have people in vehicles who then need glasses. Um, Although I mean you do need to see, but uh, and 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 the, here's here's an interesting yeah. argument. If we go back to the design of our new toothbrush, um, what if you're the mm. first glasses manufacturer that starts to issue very good-looking glasses, which effectively, if you give them a full-on frontal impact, they basically shatter and your face is safe as a as a marketing um, thing. Well, I would think shatter would be bad if it's right next to my eyes. Well, um, you know, yeah. I mean, I'm not talking Hollywood <laughs> shatter, you know, with 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 a, a napalm explosion in your face as it kind of goes off. But I mean, just in terms of, I don't know, it 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 breaks like something brittle. Well, I'm I'm thinking more crumple zone. So let let the side frame and the sort of nose piece let, let that crumple in a way that the 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 glass, if you have glass, or if you go for the sort of plastic or the the polymer, whatever the hell these things are made out of these days, um, that that stays intact. Um, your eyes are protected so it can maybe crush your nose might break your nose um, it would maybe slice the top of your ear or something like that as, as it moves through but the more uh, f- I guess okay so look at w- what the fragile aspects of the the area is and which is easy to repair right we can plastic surgery we can repair an ear um, nose well that, that that's yeah. quite often but you destroy an eye that's, that's very difficult yes. So, I mean, also, if, if we were to have the sort of discussion, I mean, obviously, you know, you buy a car, a car is going to last a lot longer than, let's say, a, a, a modern generation um, phone with, with their owner. The owner is going to have several phones for every every motor vehicle. Um, phones have changed a lot um, with, with hmm. time, mass size, what they're made of, all that sort of stuff. Again, that discussion. Airbag, do we deploy it so that if this idiot has got one of these things six inches away from their face while driving when they shouldn't have do we do we aim to deflect that thing out of the way before we save the dude's life or are we just gonna hammer it home and teach them a lesson <laughs> well let's consider options let's say let's get the phone out their hand and one way we see it currently already is you have it so that the phone links to the screen on your your car if you have a car that's fancy enough so that 
you, you can be looking, okay, you, you're still looking away, but you're going to do that anyway. Now you're looking at your center console. So your hands are technically free to not have to use your phone and you can use voice control and all that. And, right, let's have the phone manufacturers and the car manufacturers improve uh, technology in that way so that that becomes a preferable option. There is the, I would think, the ejection seat style thing of you have straps on your, you know, you effectively wear loose straps around your arms and your legs. And the moment there's an impact, the car says, shame for you, and pulls everything into a tight, nice, confined space so that your yeah. arms are not able to flail. Okay, that's, that's never going to work. No one would ever want to actually use it. Um, and I think that that's sort of that, that, that the foresight into seeing that no one would ever actually want to use that. It's sometimes our students don't do. They come up with these obscure ideas that, well, we'll just force the person to be encased in expander foam and their body is locked into a solid position. Yes, it's great, but no one wants that. No one's climbing into that car. Um, I mean, that'd be cool, but as a once-off. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, as, as maybe a, a kind of closing remark, here's an idea. You mm. mentioned the sort of ejector seats and, and the fact that some of the early jet fighters... Um, the, the pilots um, wore stirrups on their shoes and that's because yeah. when you climbed in you connected the stirrups to a cable system which basically pulled your knees <laughs> you, you were very sore after this happened but you got <laughs> yeah. pulled in so that all of you got out of the very small frame um, yeah. so you didn't end up being sort of amputated at very high speed you know but like putting your finger on a railway track and then waiting for the uh, you know the lunchtime yeah, express yeah. to take it off <laughs> um, here's the thing what if you sold a, a device that you couldn't start the car until your phone was clipped into this thing which had a let's say some form of um, device on it that in the event of a crash it would pull your phone as horrible acceleration happened into a nice little safety box thing so your phone would be safe and you could retrieve it after the crash. Is that a thing that's worth designing? In and terms I of getting it out of out of the way and then protecting your most important thing. People have a, a habit of, of thinking that's never going to happen to me as a sort of a, a general approach to to most things in in daily life. And so I would use that as one point of the argument. Part two to the argument is not necessarily looking at phones, but let's look at seatbelts. And you get those, the wonderful contraptions, which is basically looks like a bottle opener, and you can click it into your seatbelt, which then tells the car, yes, there's a seatbelt plugged in, and there is no strap to it. It's to trick your system into working. And all people are gonna do is they're gonna have a little tag thing they can click into that spot so the car says oh yeah no there's a phone or they'll just have an old an old dumb phone that they just plug in and leave here exactly or or, all right you see you've you've thought like a millennial (laughs) you've you've hoodwinked the problem i was also amazed you mentioned how to shortcut the seat belt i've got a much simpler way you just clip the seat belt in behind you and then just sit on the seat man yeah but why waste money buying a new thing because well, because you can, you, you you because Mr. Sheckman, I can yeah. tell you were the person who filled up all four <laughs> slots on your motherboard, weren't you? <laughs> the, the thing is, is that there are okay. Then manufacturers, what they do is, as you start the car, like it tightens up the seatbelt, so now it kind of pulls you out your seat because this thing is trying to lift you off because it thinks someone's there or not there. Um, th- there are ways around each one of the these <laughs> things, and the problem is, is that. Uh, people always find will find a loophole and loophole is a misuse yes the loophole is I did not intend on it being used this way except that people will find the loophole and it's then down to more how much of an issue is that 
Yeah. How much of an issue is the person having a, a pen on their chest when having the seatbelt? Do we need to count for that? Well, what are the stat? How often are people likely to do that? Almost non-existent. Okay, cool. Then we'll not design for that. But how likely are people to have their phone in front of their face while they're? And we're talking not even just driving, but let's say you are a passenger. I mean, most people these days, when you you're driving next to someone else, you're not going to talk to them. You can have your phone out. Um, and how how do we account for that? How do we? Uh, assume the rough position of the hands so the airbag pushes your arms down and clears everything yeah. for your face coming in um, it, it's it is going to happen there is going to be a loophole there's always going to be misuse it's just about the how likely is it and then how worth it is it actually accounting for that but that's I think it finishes off that particular topic if you've got any questions any other you'd like us to continue with this or uh, other topics email us at toastingdesign at gmail.com Otherwise, thanks very much for listening. We'll catch you guys in the next one. Cheers.